Father, we do just thank you again for the time that we can come together, where we can be in your presence, where we can hear your word, when we can worship your name. God, I thank you for your presence we know is always with us, but God, we specifically thank you today for your manifest presence, for, for making yourself known to us today in a real way. God, I thank you that you are speaking to hearts even now, that you are healing hearts, God, even as we were worshiping, God, as we were worshiping you, God, that you were, that you were mending things in our hearts and making things new today. God, I thank you for this word. I pray that it is fire today in our bones, that it lights a fire in our hearts for more of you, for everything that you have for us today. God, we just declare that today. We want all of you. We want everything that you have for us today. So we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, as y'all know, we've been talking about revival ever since the very beginnings of Freedom House. And we will continue to talk about it as often as possible. That's part of our vision. That's part of who we are. It's where we are going. And we are going to see God move in our generation like never before. Now, I don't know about you, but God has been doing some serious business in our lives during this 40-day fast. I mean, the enemy has tried to come in and distract and discourage, but it's almost like God has been supernaturally coming and blowing through every scheme and attack of the enemy and opening up doors that no one can shut. Now, I know this time has been a special time of consecration that has been marking us for well, forever, but especially for this next season that we are walking into. This is just the beginning of the thing that God has been preparing us for, and we are walking into it now. This has been a time of testing. This has been a time of God preparing our hearts, but now is the time for transitioning. Now is the time for crossing over. We're moving up and out into that new thing that he has promised us, and just like when Jesus came out of the 40 days of testing in the wilderness, we are coming out fiery and full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we are going full steam into this next season, and I'm very excited about what we are talking about today. We are diving into how the prophetic is directly linked into revival. We are talking about the prophetic precursors to revival. We are connecting the dots of how God raises up a prophetic people to pioneer and lead the way into bringing revival into a region and even a nation. So we're going to look at this today through the lens of the prophet Elijah. If you're taking notes today, the first thing we're going to look at is secured identity. I thought this was fascinating, but the very first time that we ever hear about the prophet Elijah in scripture, I mean, he just bursts onto the scene. He just comes out of nowhere. It's like his entire life is shrouded in obscurity until this one moment in history where he comes out and he's actually rebuking the king of Israel. Now, actually, I love this because we know from other places in Scripture the principles of how God works in the lives of his people. 
People don't just pop up one day and get to speak and prophesy to kings, okay? We know that God has been working with Elijah in the secret place for years, working on his character, purifying him into the strong prophetic voice that we get to see in 1 Kings 17. We need an Elijah generation to be comfortable in who and whose they are, that are okay dwelling with God in the secret place, and that they are okay not being seen or noticed for a while, but trusting God will raise them up at the right time, and they will listen and obey whatever it is that God has for us to say. But I'm getting ahead of myself today. So let's start at 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. It says, now Elijah, the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. As I said, there's much that we don't know about Elijah's early life or prophetic ministry up to this point, but there's a lot we can actually get from this one short verse. First and most importantly, we see his first words that he declares in scripture as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand. Elijah freely acknowledges several key important facts about God in this verse. He says the Lord is God. That he is alive, that he is the God of Israel, and that God has the ultimate spiritual authority. We also see that Elijah is merely God's humble messenger. This is how he sees himself. He derives all of his authority and power from the God of Israel who lives. This is the key for us today. Elijah was supremely confident, not in himself, but in the God that he served. Elijah was secure in his identity as a mouthpiece, as a spokesman for almighty God. He feared God more than man, so he could stand before the most powerful man in the nation and declare the word of the Lord. So let's camp out here for a minute, and we're going to address fear. Would Elijah be able to stand before the king if he was full of fear? What if he was so consumed with people pleasing that he got in front of the king and said only nice things that the king wanted to hear, but not what God told him to speak? This is the first thing that needs to die in us as we are transitioning into a higher prophetic anointing as individuals and as a church. Fear. Don't let fear kill your destiny. Kill fear with the truth of God's word and who God made you to be in Christ. We must feed and exercise our faith daily to the point that it is overwhelmingly stronger than any fear, than any worry, than any doubt or anxiety could ever be in our soul. Now, I do want to say, this is a process. We don't always get it right all the time. So I don't want anyone to feel any condemnation whenever we are exhorting you with things like this. Trust me, 
I know from personal experience what it's like to feel like, oh, I got this, and then find yourself on your face, okay? I understand. But the main thing is you get up and keep going. Even the prophet Elijah knows and understands this, as we'll see a little bit later. One of my favorite quotes is from Edwin Lewis Cole, who said, winners are not those who never fail, but those who never quit, That's a word for someone today. Failure isn't final. Come on, someone. The devil is a liar. God can turn things around if we repent, if we get back up, if we give it all back to him. That is the point. Keep submitting to God in the process. Keep coming back to God with all of our fears and lay it at his feet. Though the righteous may fall seven times, they get back up again. So don't ever settle. Don't ever quit. And don't ever give up. Now, why would a prophet of Israel have to stand up and rebuke the king of Israel. You'll notice here, this is not Elijah going to some other king in some other kingdom. This is his king. This is the king that is supposed to be submitted to and leading God's people to worship and please the one true God. So herein lies the problem. Ahab was not a man after God's own heart like King David was. Ahab was compromised. He was divided in his heart. And since he was the highest leader in the nation, he was actually leading the nation into compromise and sin against the Lord. Now, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, the importance of the head and leadership. And when the head gets things right, things underneath their care and authority naturally start to fall in line. But when they don't, Trouble is not too far behind. So how bad was it under King Ahab? 1 Kings 16, verse 30, spells it out pretty clearly. It says, but Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. That sounds pretty bad. But just in case we miss the gravity of verse 30, God put in verse 33, just so we really are clear about this. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Okay, now we get it. This was bad. Now, what exactly did he do that was so evil and so angering to God? Like we mentioned The king of Israel had the responsibility and the duty to study God's commands and lead God's people to the truth and into worshiping the one true God. Now, unlike Elijah, who knew exactly who he was and the God that he served, Ahab had an identity crisis. He was not secure in who he was, and he ran after other gods. He even went so far as to entering into a marriage with a foreign princess who was totally committed and consumed in idolatry and immorality. He knew better, but he didn't care. He didn't fear God enough to actually do something about it. And by entering into a covenant with someone like Jezebel, he was signaling something very strong to his kingdom. It's okay if you want to Compromise. I mean, if you don't feel like following God's commands, well, you know, that's okay. I mean, if you want to claim to follow God, but then worship Baal too, hey, that's okay. But he went even further than this. 
He didn't just approve of this false religion by marriage. He started to incorporate its dark occultic practices himself. We'll notice exactly what he did in verses 31 through 33. It says, I love this, as though it were not enough that he followed the sinful example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethbaal of the Sidonians, and he began to bow down in worship of Baal. First, he built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole. So now you have the king of Israel rejecting God and his commands, rejecting worshiping the one true God, and instead actually building temples and altars for the people to come and worship other gods in his kingdom. That's why God had to raise up an Elijah to speak the truth to power, to decree and declare a turning, to try to right the ship and break the confusion and the witchcraft off of people's minds. We need a generation to rise up and declare the truth of God's word to powers and principalities who will not sit idly by and watch as their nation goes to hell and is compromised and swallowed up in immorality. We must rise up and speak the truth and call people back to God into true repentance. This is when the lights will go off and this is when revival will break open. Notice that Elijah's first recorded prophecy, and I thought this was fascinating, is that there would be no rain for years until he said so. Now, biblically, rain is a sign of the blessing and favor of God. So at first, it kind of seems interesting that an actual prophet of God would prophesy the withholding of the blessing and favor of God. But we have to look at the context and see what's really going on here. Ahab and many of the people had turned, as we said, and were worshiping Baal. But part of worshiping Baal was actually sacrificing and serving him to try to get rain, to try to get prosperity and blessing. They're looking to dumb mute idols and the demons behind them to try to get the blessing that only God can give. And so God sent Elijah and said, look, king, you think there is another way that you can get what only God has for you. But I came to declare to prove to you that only one true God is above the heavens and earth. There's only one true God who is over the rain and can send you the blessings that you need. Your false prophets are not going to be able to squeeze rain out of the clouds for you. There's no false rituals and practices that are going to bring rain until the man of God declares the word of God and releases the rain again. Elijah was secure in his identity and declared what God said with full faith. God was going to back up what he said, and he did. The second thing we need to look at today is total obedience. From Elijah's very first statement, we see his heart for total obedience to God. Notice he even said in his Greeting before whom I stand. This speaks to a servant standing before his master to receive his orders. We know that Elijah could stand before the king because he had to first stand before 
the king of kings. And it's from that place of heavenly authority and intimacy that he was able and authorized to speak to earthly authority and declare with boldness and power the word of the Lord. So we need some prophets to rise up who have been so close to God in the secret place, they can be trusted to carry his words of power and authority to the rulers here on the earth. If we want to have that kind of sphere of influence, we better be closer to God than we ever have day and night, quick to listen and quick to obey the voice of the word of the Lord. Elijah was quick to listen and obey the instruction. We already see he put aside any fear of man and spoke forcefully to the king of Israel what he had him to say. And the very next thing we see is actually Elijah hearing And obeying God's voice yet again in verses two through three. It says, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, go from here, turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan River. So we see God gave the prophet a very specific directive word. God has a specific and detailed plan. And we see here right from scripture, he speaks and gives direction to his people to get them into the right place at the right time. I love that they included verse five because it shows Elijah's response to the word of the Lord. In verse five, it says, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith which flows into the Jordan. Whenever you pray or whenever you hear God speak some direction over your life, there is nothing more important than that very first part of verse five. Just remember, he went and did according to the word of the Lord. We can't just mentally agree with what God says. We can't even just verbally agree with what God tells us, although these things have to happen as well. We have to actually go and do what he says. That is the key. Wherever God says to go, that's where we go. If God tells us to go to a specific church, then we go. That doesn't mean that we're always going to be happy or that we're never going to have any problems or we won't even have some kooky people sometimes. But we go because God tells us to go. If he says to go to a certain grocery store and talk to someone, we go and do what he says. We may not feel like it, We may be in a hurry and probably have a thousand other things on our agenda. But if we are going to honor and obey the voice of the Lord, we are willing to be interrupted. If God says to send a certain person a word of encouragement or something simple like cookies or even some money, we don't need to know why or any of the details. We just go and do what he says. It doesn't matter if we think they don't need it or even deserve any encouragement. It doesn't matter if we think they're a multimillionaire and can buy up every Girl Scout cookie on the planet. If God says to go bless them with it, then we go. (laughs) We don't need to know all the details. God does. We don't know if the other person even cares about God or hearing God's voice, but we know the voice of the Lord and we will be obedient to do what he gives us to do. Sometimes God will tell us why. 
Sometimes he's just going to ask us to step out and trust him. Sometimes it might make sense to us. Oftentimes he's just going to ask us to take a step of faith. The point is, God is wanting to move and to touch people here on the earth. And he's looking for willing, obedient vessels through which to speak through and to bless people. The more we are humbled and submitted to God and what he has given us to do, the more that we can be trusted and that he can move us closer into the blessing he's already established and commanded for us to operate in. Scripture is very clear on the importance of obedience. Just look with me real quick at 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 22. Samuel said, "What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice?" Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. If you go back and look through this, you'll see that Saul was more concerned with looking good to other people than honoring and obeying the Lord. But partial obedience is still disobedience. God's looking for a people in the church that will be after his heart and will love, honor, and obey him no matter what. To grow and mature into who we were created for and needed to be at this hour, we must choose to commit to the lifestyle of radical obedience to the voice of the Lord. That's what it will take to go through the doors that God has opened for us and for revival to begin to increase and manifest here in our midst. We must be so in tune with the Holy Spirit that everything we do is filtered through pleasing and honoring Him. In a culture that cares more about appearance and self-glorification, we must choose the narrow road and even be willing to be abased for the gospel of Christ and to only seek to bring God glory in whatever we do because those are the ones that God is looking for that he can release his glory and revival to and through. We will always get the choice to obey the flesh or obey the spirit. And to the extent we will obey and honor the spirit of the living God, that is the extent we will begin to see his glory fall and revival come and he will be healed and delivered and set free and released into a life of freedom and fullness. Now I praise God for everything that he has done so far in the life of our church. I give him all of the glory and the honor for bringing us through. And I thank him for every healing, every miracle, and every answered prayer that he has done. But we are believing God for greater. We are contending for revival in our families and in our cities. Now, some might say, my goodness, all y'all do is talk about revival and glory and miracles. And I would say, absolutely yes. You get what you believe for. You eat the fruit of your mouth and the words that you speak. I believe in the power of of words. So we will always speak words of faith. And whatever is on the heart of the Father to declare over regions and people, that is what we will declare. And we will always contend for what He has laid out for us and ask for the greater. This whole fast has been about asking for more of God and His presence in our lives. That's what it's all about. We need more of God, more of his presence, more of his love and his power. That 
is what matters. We don't want to be divided in our hearts. We want to be united with Him, one in spirit, where our heart is the same as His heart, and His thoughts start to become our thoughts. Yeah, good, good, good. But we have to be completely committed to total obedience to the voice of the Lord. He will guide us and lead us. He will direct us and show us what to do, but we must actually be willing to listen and then do what he says in order to see these things come to pass. We must go where God sends and declare and decree whatever he gives us to speak. And we must follow him in his leading no matter if it makes sense, no matter if it's comfortable, no matter if it fits into our preconceived ideas of what God can or should do. When we do, that's when things will begin to shift. Yeah. That's when things will begin to turn. That's when we will see the hand of God start rearranging the things in our lives like never before. The third thing we need to look at today is supernatural provision. You'll notice in 1 Kings 17, as Elijah stepped out, secured his identity in God, as he totally and completely obeyed the voice and instruction of the Lord no matter what, God made a way and offered supernatural provision for Elijah. It's beautiful and amazing, actually. I think many times we feel like if we don't understand what God says or maybe don't even agree with it, we can somehow exempt ourselves from doing what he says, but still somehow expect him to come and, and bless us anyway. We need some prophetic people who will rise up, who will grow up, and will be okay having God on God's terms. Obedience is the key that opens the door to his blessing and supernatural provision. God wants to bless his people. You can follow that theme all throughout scripture and see yes. that that's clear. Yes. He is that good. Yes. He is that loving and generous. Yes. But just like we talked about the other week with the gifts, there are protocols in place of how and the order of how those things get done. And obedience and following his wisdom is the key for walking in that provision. So let's look at what Elijah did in 1 Kings 17, verse 4. God actually told him in his instruction that he was going to provide. God told him, you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to sustain you there with food. See, God had already commanded the blessing there at the brook. Elijah would have his needs supernaturally met by God, but he still had to do something. He actually had to go to that place that God directed in order to receive that blessing. See, before Amazon Prime could drone drop to your front door, God sent birds to airmail food to sustain his prophet. I wonder if there's a prophetic people who have enough faith to trust God to sustain them against all odds. I wonder if there's a church who will totally depend on Almighty God and not an Almighty dollar to have their needs met. Sometimes the wisdom of God will confound our common sense, yet following God's wisdom is what leads to God's blessing. Look at Proverbs 3, 13 through 18. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies, 
Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. God knows what he's doing. Yes, he does. God knows how to open the right doors that no man can shut. He knows how to perfectly position his people to be at the right place at the right time. Now, here's, here's the thing. Sometimes that means us having to go through some not so fun things in order to be perfectly positioned. That means we're going to have to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding. Sometimes it's going to look really dark before we get to see the light. Sometimes we're going to have to go through the pit before we get promoted to the palace. Sometimes we're going to have to oppose Pharaoh to his face ten times before we get our release. Sometimes we're going to have to be hidden by a brook and fed by birds until God sets up our big breakthrough. But if God declared it, then no devil in hell can reverse God's decree. If God opened it, no other person can come behind and shut it. If we trust and obey what God says and walk in humility before our God, we will see his provision come at the right time. Joseph trusted God through the process, and he was not just provided for and promoted, but a whole nation had abundance through a famine. Moses trusted God through the process, and when they were finally released from bondage, they plundered the oppressors. They took their silver and gold, and the whole nation was blessed as they walked into freedom. So I want us to end today a little different than how we normally do. I want us to be commissioned into boldness in the prophetic. We are pioneering and pushing into this new thing that God is leading us into. And I want to seal the work that God has been doing in and through us through this past 40-day fast. And I want us to explode out of here today with dunamis power to release heaven on earth, to see our family saved and healed and delivered, and to see the blessing and favor released in and through us so that the nations of the earth can be blessed and come into relationship through Jesus Christ. What God tells us in this secret place, we will release through the public spheres and shout from the rooftops. We will pray prophetic prayers that shake things up and dispel the darkness. And we will shift the atmospheres, cast out demons and release freedom and liberty and life wherever we go. I want to ask uh, Rochelle to come up and just pray some specific things over us today. And then actually, uh, as you feel led, uh, I would like to actually pray and lay hands on everyone today and just be blessing and just get commissioning over us as we go. So I'm going to go ahead and invite, uh, just pray as you're led. And then as y'all feel led, just come and I would love to pray and commission you.